0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. It is World Cancer Day, and as always, when it comes to the big C, there is good news and bad news. Lifestyle changes, early detection, and better treatments have led to lower rates of the four major cancers, and those are, of course, lung, breast, prostate, and colorectal. However, liver, thyroid, uterus, and pancreatic cancer are on the rise. As most of our listeners know, I am one of very, very few long-term survivors of pancreatic cancer. So, obviously, very grateful today. But what are the most promising avenues for advances in cancer? Uh, Right now, we are going to Dr. Aaron Shimmer, who is the Research Director at the Princess Margaret Cancer Centre. Dr. Shimmer, thanks for joining us.
0: Well, thank you very much for uh, having me on your show.
1: Okay, well, great. Uh, For the last few years, we've been hearing a lot about immunotherapy therapy. It's uh, proved good for some types of cancer, but not others. Uh, Where are we at with that? And is there uh, any kind of promising brand new approach?
0: Sure. Well, you know, immune therapy is one of, been one of the big revolutions, I would say, in cancer therapy. And it's really actually originated because of our understanding of how immune cells recognize um, cancer cells of being foreign. And this is work that's actually probably been going on well back to the 70s. But, you know, through the painstaking efforts of many, many scientists over the years, have now actually been able to, uh, to move those discoveries into the clinic, into the bedsides, and as you, as you noted, that we're now able to see immune therapy as a mainstay treatment for many cancers. You know, leukemia being one of those cancers where genetically modified cells are able, when infused into patients with otherwise refractory leukemia, to hone in and specifically kill off those bad leukemic cells, producing remissions in patients who were otherwise not responding to standard therapy. So a ex- very exciting time in immune therapy now.
1: Right, and melanoma, of course, and a bit of lung cancer as well.
0: Absolutely. This is really very interesting that we're seeing, of course, as you n- noted, not just in leukemia, but in other types of cancers. And we're seeing that some cancers, yes, but some cancers, no, in terms, at least so far, in terms of their ability to respond to immune therapy. And just as a note, you know, immune therapy is not a one-size-fits-all product. You know, there are different types of immune therapy. and What we're seeing is that different types of immune therapies work best for different types of cancers.
1: Right. And sometimes the side effects are very dire. People think they hear immune system. They think uh, it's a walk in the park. It's not.
0: Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, some of the uh, the side effects can be devastating. They can require intensive care and admission. Unfortunately, sometimes they can also be fatal. What's very interesting, though, is that those side effects are very different from the type of uh, side effects uh, one typically associates with standard types of chemotherapy. Uh,
1: so if you had to point to one thing that's happened since the last World Cancer Day that's kind of new and very promising, what would it be?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many examples, you know, one could give and we could spend the rest of the day just talking about the breakthroughs, even just over the course of one year. One really exciting um, piece of work coming from, uh, in fact, our institution at the Princess Margaret relates to work by uh, Dr. Daniel uh, De Carvalho, who's one of our uh, newer scientists, and uh, he's been working on... Understanding the genomics and genetics of cancer, and so we, we now know that cancer is a genetic disease. No, not a genetic disease that's hereditary. Nothing that you get from parents or passed to, to children. But it
1: certainly from, can be. <laughs> but, well it can be. But
0: but but yeah. but, but many cancers are yeah. not. And, and you know, when if one develops a cancer, one shouldn't think that one is going to transmit that directly. In the same way, you could transmit a cold or a flu to somebody else. Right? They're, they're not contagious and they're not hereditary in the majority of cases. But but we know. That, that they occur because generally it's spontaneous mutations that occur in cells that ultimately go on to become cancerous. And one of the things that uh, Dr. De- Daniel V. Carvalho has been able to do is actually been able to detect minute amounts of that genetic mutation in the blood um, And so you could actually now theoretically be able to take a blood sample and identify a signature of cancer well before it's detectable by other standard means. And so that's something that we may be now seeing pushing into the clinic in the relatively near future and a dramatically new way to think about the diagnosis and monitoring of cancer.
1: Um, Isn't one of the problems with cancer is that it keeps mutating?
0: well, it does exactly right so 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 that is one of the the big issues, and we now know that even within a single tumor, there are multiple what we call subclones or or, or as you said um, genetic origins that that are ultimately sort of evolving the same way that Darwin I guess thought about evolution of the species
1: uh, anything and anything else I mean, I obviously uh, have experience with pancreatic cancer, and you know the survival rates have. Inch, I mean, tiny, it's still the only cancer with a survival rate that's under 10%. It's still in the single digits. Uh, why is it so stubborn?
0: You know, it, it, it's uh, it's a good question. You know, of all of the cancers, unfortunately, pancreatic cancer remains one where the advances have been, you know, frankly, more modest and far too many people continue to succumb. I think it relates to a variety of things, in part the biology of the disease that it often presents at a significantly later stage, and so that by the time it's detected, it's already advanced. Also, for reasons that maybe are not well understood, that the um, that the standard therapies, the standard chemotherapies are less effective. Those cells are resistant. Um, A variety of reasons, even around the metabolic state or the way that these pancreatic cancer cells use nutrients and fuels, are different that allows them to survive despite... Uh, standard chemotherapies, and, you know, again, even some of the other newer approaches, such as immune therapy, at least to date, have not shown the same big advances, and so it remains a very difficult disease um, in comparison to where we've seen a lot of advances in other types of cancers, unfortunately.
1: Uh, one of the things that I want to ask about is is metastatic cancer, because it used to be that, um, you know, you had a chance for cure if the the cancer hadn't spread but we're seeing in some cancers people are live quite a long time once the cancer has spread and I know that people with metastatic disease they feel like orphans in the cancer research world what advances if there are any have there been for them
0: so, you know, it's one of those areas where, it, and this is really very new, but one of the really exciting findings is in the area of metastasis. So, so when I went to medical school, you know, we were taught that once someone has metastatic disease, you now have an incurable cancer and the goals are really around supportive treatment, and as best one can, delaying progression. But it's now become clear that, and this is unfortunately not yet the majority of patients with metastatic disease, but there's a very small group of patients with metastatic disease, and particularly those with very low burden of metastatic disease, so maybe one metastatic site in the body, that if you aggressively treat that metastatic site, you can get very long prolonged remissions in these patients. It starts to be, again, change the way one thinks about metastatic disease. And are there patients who now would actually benefit from very highly aggressive therapy directed to those metastatic sites?
1: Uh Uh-huh. And um, would you say that, that, what would you pick as the most interesting uh, thing going forward for the next year?
0: Wow, some of the most interesting things, I mean, again, there, there, there is, there's so much going uh, forward in the next year. I think that we're going to continue, you know, it, it's in, in an exciting area. It relates to uh, stem cells. And so we, we understand that stem cells are these quiet, dormant cells located in tumors, in blood cancers, but also in solid tumors, and, and that they resist standard chemotherapeutic. And those stem cells... Ultimately, later on, can regrow, or the cells responsible for relapse disease. And so now we're understanding stem cells in a way that we haven't been able to understand in the past. And there's some newer work being done by uh, at the Princess Margaret by doctors Dick Wang and Jen, looking at developing a genetic signature that can identify the amount of stemness in your tumor, and using that to predict at least in the case of leukemia, potential responses to standard therapies. We're also learning about new ways that one can therapeutically target these stem cells. And so, so by doing so, at least have the opportunity, in theory, to decrease the risk of relapse disease in patients with blood cancers or also theoretically solid tumors.
1: Okay. Well, Dr. Shimmer, thanks for being with with us and uh, uh, keep up all that wonderful work that's happening at the Princess Margaret, which is a fantastic institution that we are very lucky to have.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.